Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the short-term show special episode series on Branson, Missouri, where we are doing a 10-episode deep dive on how to buy a short-term rental in Branson. So we've got a few supplemental materials for y'all in addition to the content on this podcast over on our website. So any questions you have about purchase prices and searching properties, you can do that on our website. And we also have the AirDNA data, thanks to our friends over at AirDNA, income data uh, on properties in Branson. So you can find these things at theshorttermshop.com. So www.theshorttermshop.com purchase prices and income data. If you want to buy a short-term rental property with a short-term shop agent in Branson, you can email us at agents at the shop.com. Or if you just like us, you just want to hang out with us more. There's a few ways you can do that. You can join our Facebook group. It's the same title as my book. It's called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. We're over there talking about short-term rental investing all day, every day. Or if you prefer to talk to us in person or virtual person, you can join our Zoom call that we have every Thursday. You can sign up for that at strquestions.com. We'll catch you guys over there. Hey guys, welcome back to another short-term shop special episode series. It is episode one of Branson, of the Branson market. So I've got some really cool people to help me go go through the first module here on uh, on episode one about why the hell would you invest in Branson? Uh, why would you want to invest here? And we're going to go over all of those things, all the reasons why. So uh, first person that I have here who is new to this podcast is Bill Beck. Bill, you want to introduce yourself? My name's Bill. Um, I actually moved to Branson back in uh, end of 2020 during the pandemic. I used to work for Evolve, vacation rental, big property management company as a home buyer consultant. So I invested here in Branson as I knew all the internal information regarding where good places to invest were. And this is one of those top markets that, you know, before knowing about Branson as a good investor market, I just thought it was a place that old people went. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, it was like, no, this is where people are making some serious money. So got my investment, moved out here, and then uh, started working primarily with short-term rental investors. Um, Great time to hit it. And it was, I mean, basically every single transaction I've done has been working with vacation rental buyers, sellers. And uh, yeah, so that's that's why I decided to join the short-term shop. I've known Avery since 2018. She's obviously one of the, you know, biggest influential, influential people in this space. And I knew I wanted to align with someone like that who's on the same wavelength as myself. Oh, thank you. And next, we have another heavy hitter, Tyann Marsink Hammond with Touch Stave. She's been on the OG podcast. And uh, Tyann, do you want to introduce yourself for people who might not have listened to that episode? Hey, everybody. I'm Tyann Marsink Hammond. And with Touch Day, I'm the queen of guest experience. But I've also been in the market since 2007. So when I started, I was one of 12 properties that slept 14 or more. So if you were bringing a big group to town, that means you stayed with me or one of my family members, most likely, because uh, my entire family is my competition, too. So it's lots of fun at our holiday family dinners, right? Uh, swap guest stories, swap information, things like that. Uh, so I've been around quite a bit and uh, grown with the Branson market as well. So um, I was hoping we would keep it a secret a little bit longer, but you guys keep on coming in and bringing my values up, okay? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So we'll just start at the beginning. So Branson, 
who goes there? Why is it a good place to buy a vacation rental? Why is there a need for vacation rentals in Branson, Missouri? How far back do you want to go, Tyann? Do you want to, because like, I don't know, like way back into the, you know, mid 1900s with the what bald knobbers and silver dollar city. Is that how far back we <laughs> go want ahead, to go? Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. It. Okay. Yeah. So it actually started, yeah, way back when, um, and there's this, uh, I have to, I can't remember the author's name. Um, but Shepherd of the Hills is actually a book and it was written because the gentleman came to the Ozark area and just saw incredible. And that's why there's Shepherd of the Hills Tower of Inspiration. So he had gone to the high point, was inspired by the area. There's a, a play written about it as well. So you can come to town and see the play. Um, and then Silver Dollar City was also built in 1960. It opened. And have you guys heard of this one show called like Beverly Hillbillies, something like that, you know, <laughs> um, the very first episodes were actually filmed in Silver Dollar City and the um, creators of Beverly Hillbillies, they actually fell in love with the area. And there is a preserve of several hundred acres right there off the strip uh, to take care of, um, you know, to keep that land and you can hike on it, the Ruth and Paul Henning Conservation Area. So we go way back, uh, like you said, to the mid-1900s. Uh, the dam itself is actually, the lake is fan-made because they built the dam. It's a, it's the White River. And the Corps of Engineers came in and built a series of dams and created these areas. And it's for water management and to create power. But then the tourist area grew off of that. Um, so the cool thing about Table Rock Lake is you can go diving. And guess what's under there? There's an old town. You can go dive down there and there's a ghost town down there. So there's lots of little things that um, it started in the area and then it's really progressed over the last decade. Uh, when I started back in 2007, they were just starting to put in the infrastructure. And I think that's one of the main things that puts Branson ahead of the game for a lot of places is the infrastructure because they started putting in those bigger roads, the bigger highways way back when in preparation for what is happening right now. Yeah, I also understand fast forward like the early 90s, I guess there was a 60 minutes episode on Branson that caused a massive real estate wave of development. So that's why all of our, a lot of our condo complexes are built in like 1993, 1994. Um, so there's a huge influx of people coming in here and it kind of just kind of was a flywheel effect of more and more uh, people coming for various tourism reasons and and uh, yeah, it just, it just, it's one of those places that people don't really know about if you're from other parts of the country, but having worked again all over and seeing like the similarities that Branson has to the Smoky Mountains, it's uncanny. It's like, we've got all these similar family-friendly drivable tourism attractions like go-karts and, and mini golf and retail and even like Dolly Parton Stampede, Dollywood, uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not, the Wax Museum. It's like, wait, this is like the same Titanic Museum. It's like all this stuff's like the same place. And obviously, as Avery knows, the Smokies is like one of the best places. I mean, it's it was the top place to go invest. So that's why it's really interesting that it's like Dolly Parton is the golden goose that lays the vacation in <laughs> golden eggs, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But okay. the thing that the Gatlinburg area, Smoky Mountains area is missing is Table Rock Lake. So you can do all the different lake and water activities, the jet skiing, the boat, the fishing. Uh, we've got world-class golf. PGA Tours comes here. 
And there's two more things. We have more theater seats than Broadway in New York. We have the largest theatrical stage in the entire country, maybe the world, I'm not for sure. And then we also are the live music show capital of the world. Uh, so those are some big things that draw even more people in and that a lot of people don't even realize. Yeah, I did and not attractions. Yeah, I mean, this is what this is what makes this place, you know, 10 plus months of the year a uh, place that people will come and visit. So if you compare this, like easy juxtaposition is Lake of the Ozarks. People know about it from, you know, the show Ozark. Um, you go there from May through September, you know, Memorial Day, Labor Day. No one goes there the rest of the year. It's dead there. I went there for a buddy's like wedding in September and it was like, we're the only people here. This is crazy. So Branson definitely has that long, lengthened uh, uh, season where really it's, it's, it's not as uh up and down as some other markets. So. Okay. So are most of those tourists that are coming in, are they flying? Are they driving? Are they coming in from areas, you know, five to eight hours away? Or is this somewhere where people are flying from like California to come visit? We get oh, yeah. a few folks flying in. Um, not as many though. Uh, Branson did open up its own airport, which is really cool, but um, the Southwest contract didn't last very long. So right now you just have to fly in uh, through Frontier. And I think there's a second small um, one that they've just opened up another airlines coming in. So next closest is Springfield airport. Um, but if you're going to fly, most people fly into like Oklahoma city, Kansas city or little rock and then drive in. Uh, so the majority of folks are driving in. We get folks, um, as far North as Minnesota, Wisconsin, we get a lot of folks from there. And then Texas is huge for us. So, you know, that top North and South Louisiana, and then all the border States around. So going past, um, Tennessee towards the East coast or past Colorado towards the West coast, definitely not as much there. Uh, but def, you know, just right here within the Midwest. But the great thing is I mean, we're within a day's drive of half the population of the country. So it makes it really easy for families to say, hey, where are we going to go? Let's all drive. Uh, maybe we got budget constrictions or time constrictions because when you have little kids, you don't want to drive very far and you want to see everybody as you know, Avery. And so then everybody looks at where can we go? And they end up in the middle of the United States, which happens to be Branson. Yeah, if you're, uh, you know, living in a rural town in Oklahoma and you've got family in a rural town in Missouri, it's like, well, why would we go to see each other when we can go meet at this uh, middle ground place with all these things to do and really amazing places to stay at all these vacation rentals, so... Yeah, yeah. I do have to say that every year when we do our month-long motorhome trip, we stop in Omaha, Nebraska to see Luke's parents. And we always like Branson is a nice halfway stopping point to get back home. And it gives the kids something to do because we always go to Silver Dollar City with them and uh, eat like absolute garbage while we're there. <laughs> and it's really fun. Um <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about, we talked about the tourism, who's coming in, what there is to do. Let's talk about the short-term rental regulations. So what are the regulations? I know there are some in the city limits, but maybe different outside the city limits. What does that look like? Yes, this is a great sir. question. I mean, Tyan, do you want to go into like the history? Because I, I know it's this is one of, the, one of the markets where I guess performance zoning was very like was put out there pretty early relative, relatively speaking for a vacation rental market, but I don't know the full exact history about how it all went down, but maybe tie yeah, in. I, when I started back in 2007, uh, you did have to have zoned 
already. You already had to have zoning and it's very much um, cracked down even more so. So if you're in the city limits of Branson uh, and you're zoned R1, you're not, you, you can't do it from what I understand. Uh, then it, the city limits though is not very big. So when you say Branson, that is a pretty large area. It also covers two different counties when you're talking Branson area. So you have Taney County and you have Stone County. And both of those counties have different rules. And they have different rules for inspections and permits. And then you have to look at uh, the business license for the county. And then you have to have the business license if there's a village. So if you're in Indian Point down past Silver Dollar City, that's yet another uh, government entity that you need to take care of um, with health inspections and safety inspections, the fire inspection, and all of that. So wherever you're looking, you need to delve into, is there a registration? Definitely there's going to be a license. Definitely there's going to be inspections. And what additional taxes might there be? Because if you're in city limits, there's an additional 4% tourism tax that you have to pay. And the listing sites don't cover this. They don't include that. There's no um, agreement with the city. So you're going to have to manually send that in every single month. And then you also have to look um, like Taney County is where most of our houses are. And I like Taney County and the fact that it is limited to where you can have a vacation rental. So they're, they became very strict just a few years ago. They put a moratorium on any more permits to kind of figure it out. Once they started again, they said, okay, no more R1. And if you don't have a permit in place already, it's not going to happen. So this does drive folks to stay within vacation rental approved communities and neighborhoods. Now for my, my personal thing is, is I love this because it does help the residents keep their areas without having to live next to tourists. And then it helps the neighborhoods to be able to put in those extra amenities that tourists want. Um, so it's, it's a really great thing in my mind. And there are developers out there, they're going and getting an entire community vacation rental approved before you even build so that that is in place already. And you don't have to worry about those extra regulations when you come in because it's already set in place for you. That's a great point because the zoning creates the funnels and then people ask and are concerned about, well, is this going to change? Is there any regulatory? Influence? It's like, well, it's not going to happen because all of your neighbors are doing the exact same thing. So for them to do something to change and revert from giving permissions for a purpose-built community and then to take that back, like ultra low likelihood. So if you get something that's zoned from the beginning, very low risk of, of anything taking that ability to do what you want to do away. So, right. And it's one of these issues where when someone says, oh man, I don't want to be in an HOA. It's like, no, no, no. Here it is good. Here you're in a neighborhood. It has the HOA, the COA in place and everybody is doing vacation rentals. And then you're going able to help each other and make sure that your community is one of the best vacation rental communities and bring those tourists into you. Yeah. Also, I think people have concerns about saturation, you know, worries. And it's like, well, if they keep building thousands and thousands to compete with each other. That is a saturation concern. But if they put a uh, essentially an artificial supply cap by creating this zoning restriction, which is kind of, you know, going to enforce that, uh, that cap, so to speak, that creates this, you know, hey, if you've got something, you're in a good position, it's going to help your value for it. And it's not like something you need to worry about eventually tomorrow that, you know, Branson goes from 5,000 vacation rentals to 10,000 or 20,000, because that would be awful because that'd be the race, you know, race to the bottom for, for rates. You'd have all sorts of bad fallout from that. So. Yeah. So this is a good example of the, of a lot of people get really scared of regulations altogether. Just like Tyann said, people get scared of HOAs 
at a high level. This is a good example of regulations are not a bad thing. They keep markets from getting saturated. And HOAs are not a bad thing if they are purpose-built for short-term rentals. That, that's where you want to be. So um, awesome information so far, guys. So what we've talked about permitting. So is there a process for getting the permits? Uh, how Like how difficult is that or is it pretty easy? I mean, thankfully, I've never had to do that myself. <laughs> All our properties and our client properties are within purpose-built communities. So those permits were in place already by the developer, which is nice. So I do know they have to go through your regular special use permit, different zoning that is pretty much a standard for cities and counties where you submit your application, you go before the commission, you'll probably have a, you know, you'll have a public hearing, all the neighbors within X number, hundreds of feet are notified, they can come to the public hearing as well. So it's definitely a process. Sometimes it's a couple months, sometimes it could be longer. It very much depends upon the county and what kind of questions they ask you and what they want, you know, what kind of plans you want, they want you to have in place ahead of time. Uh, but what's, like we said in Branson, you know, the, everything's usually already set out for you. And um, yeah, now Stone County. Okay. So I did mention there's different Taney and Stone. Stone County, there are um, some folks who've been trying to get regular houses, you know, get the special use permit and rezoned. And there has not been a lot of luck lately. Uh, so, you know, definitely look around. You want to talk to your realtor, super important. Okay. I know you guys are probably smiling. Like, yes, she said that. Um, especially in the Branson area, your realtor is really important because they're going to know all those little tiny details and the differences between the different counties and the permits and the areas. Um, it's really, really good to lean on, on that information with your realtor. I mean, that's really the, I appreciate that tie in because it's like, when I came here, I didn't know this stuff. And it was like, how do I understand how this all works? And it's absolutely overwhelming to try and like look at plat maps and zoning maps and the tape, the county. And it's like, oh my gosh. But, but once you start to realize like the actual, what the true inventory is here, that's where um, you don't have to go sift through that on your own because frankly, it's impossible. I've had clients that tried to come and like, what about this address? I tried pulling it up on the, Taney County GIS system and overlaying the zoning map. And I'm like, Oh, don't do that. Do not do that. You're, you're just going to be shooting, you know, like <laughs> try to like, it, you're, you're not going to find something. It's, it's impossible. Needle in a haystack, even harder than that. So um, yeah, definitely work with a realtor that knows what they're talking about. Um, knows all the communities that work. Um, you know, there are one-off properties that Ty mentioned with, with special use permits, those ones, if you do find one of those uh, one-off ones, you know, Taney County, you do have to go uh, ensure that makes make sure that that would tra it doesn't technically transfer from my understanding. So you'd have to get it reapplied for. But if it's already been grandfathered in, it's got fire suppression. Do you need to mention one of the things here is our fire suppression tie-in? Do you know the history of how that came about? Was that something that's always been around, or did that change at some point with the sprinkler systems? Yeah. So it's, from what I understand, it is a state mandated thing. So in the state of Missouri, once you get to a certain size house and or property, uh, then you have to have a fire suppression. And what I like is that developers saw that and they just leaned into it right away. Uh, so it's one of those things. I really think that Branson is ahead of the game compared to other places that don't even think about the fire suppression and the fire suppression system are really important. Even the smaller houses and the nightly rental developments, they're putting them in. So it's really great to see from a safety standpoint. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then again, after everything we just discussed, it kind of creates, again, this is, there's not a ton of, of single family home properties. So people will come to our market and be like, all right, where are the cabins? Where are the lake cabins? And you're like, there aren't any here. <laughs> we don't have that based upon everything we just talked about. It's extremely important that you listen to that element because if you didn't hear that and you're thinking, all right, where are we, where do we find these cabins? It's like, well, there's, there's, there aren't, they aren't there. There are very few of them and they're in what's called a detached condo um, status, right? I mean, that's the term for it. So they're still in these HOAs. They look like a cabin. You, I mean, your, your family owns some, right? Tyanne over mm -hmm. in uh, Willow Oak Lane. So it's like, it's, it's, this is not a market that has, you know, the same exact dynamic as some of these other markets out there. So that's just something that people need to go understand from the get-go. And then if you're okay with that, like we'll definitely help you guide you into what works. Okay. Yeah. That was going to be my next question is what type of property works the best? So typically everything's a condo. What's a detached condo? So uh, some people might not know what that is. Is that where it looks like a single family house, but it's actually a condo so you'd have to finance it like a condo pretty much yeah so like i say i have houses but the technical terms are condo or detached condo and i own the building and i own two feet around it so the footprint plus two feet and then you also have to think about insurance. So when someone says, hey, I got a condo, they, they're thinking in their head, well, the traditional condo is you insure everything from walls in, the studs in. Well, with detached condos, no, you have to actually insure it the same as a single family house. Uh, so it's when you go in and you see these different terms that you're used to, you have to inquire a little bit more and say, okay, what does this term mean in Branson? How do I translate that to my insurance company? How do I translate that to my bank, my finance officer? Because of the way the terms are, you can't necessarily get the same type of financing that you thought you could. So it's, yeah, it's one of those things you got to be aware of. Yeah, and as far as inventory breakdown, I mean, currently we've got a lot of new construction coming for uh, some various developments. But right now, like what's today that's turnkey that you can get your hands on? that's ready to go. And the majority of it would be one, two, three bedroom condo properties in various communities. And there are a handful of ones in the, you know, seven plus bedroom range um, that are out there. Uh, those price points are starting to get to the million dollar range. So um, just depending on what someone's looking for. Uh, Do you can get a seven bedroom for under a million in Branson? Mm, I think there's one for sale, but the caveat is it is one of those that was built back in 2008, nine. And so it's ready for a big upgrade. Okay. But that's still not bad comparatively compared to other markets, because in some markets to get a six, seven bedroom, like if you come down here to Destin, I mean, it's going to be 2.5 at a minimum. So um, that's a really good alternative. So this market is pretty affordable compared to a lot of other blue chip markets. I would consider this a blue chip market. It's been around for a while. I wouldn't consider it necessarily emerging, uh, but it is much more affordable than a lot of the other blue chip markets. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my average transaction price was about 287000 for the around the 100 transactions I did the last two years. So that's kind of the sweet spot. I mean, for Someone who's a first timer who's never done this before, you know, they want to, you know, deploy 20, 30, 40,000 dollars. 
I mean, you can find something in Branson that's fully set up, ready to go. Um, and that's what makes this place very unique. Um, because if you look at other markets that you can get something for 250000 you're definitely looking at something that's probably out in a fringe market, not a blue chip. So your high degree of risk when it comes to what is the year-over-year um, occupancy curve? Are people going to come here every single year? What's going to keep people drawing them here? Is it just a lake or is it just a national park? Uh, on top of that, what are the operational risks? You talk about infrastructure. I know a lot of people ask questions on, hey, you know, if we get in Branson, is, is there going to be handymen? Are there going to be cleaning companies? It's like, absolutely. We have that fully built out. It's extremely robust. So if you start to look at, oh, well, I can get a, I can get a house out and, you know, some lake over here and it's going to do better because I'm going to have more freedom. And it's like, well, great. But what happens if your cleaning person quits, then what are you going to do? Cause you don't know like if there's any backup options. So thankfully Branson, what, and like the surrounding 30, 45 minute bubble from Branson, the Branson strip, Silver Dollar city, you definitely have access to a number of different uh, team contractors to assist you with actually operating and, and taking care of your investment. Awesome. Yeah. So this is a really great option for either first time investors or people who are on a strict budget who may not be necessarily first time, but want to stay under that 500,000 mark. And that's really hard to do in some of the good markets. And this one, you can absolutely do it. So um, really, really great info. So would you say that there, what's the sweet spot in terms of size of property, number of bedrooms? Hmm. Um, I would definitely say a house. Well, a Detached condo, I guess it would be the term. Um, okay, so from this here on out, Bill, let's just say condo is your traditional condo, house is detached condo. Deal? <laughs> Absolutely, deal. Okay, deal. All right. So definitely, if you can get into a house, because even if it's a smaller one, you want to go house because condo is gosh, I want to say there's like over 2000 rooms and you're, you're definitely competing with the hotels and motels at the one bedroom condo level. Mm -hmm. So your average daily rate, your nightly rate is going to be a lot lower. There's a lot more competition. Your booking window is going to be extremely small and makes it a little more nervous. Uh, so if the bigger you can go, the, it's better, but you also don't want to go too big depending upon how much risk you want to take. So you have to figure out, are, am I a big risk taker or am I not a big risk taker? As the, the one hole that I see, and I probably should not be saying this on a public podcast, is that that three bedroom house space. There's mm -hmm. lots of one and two bedroom condos. There's four or five bedroom houses. But when you want three bedrooms, you're looking at a handful of condos. There's the vineyards. You know, those are all condos. They're building some more. That's great. But a three bedroom standalone house is extremely difficult to find as because the thing is, is by the time you build three bedrooms, it doesn't cost a lot more to do a fourth bedroom and you're going to make more money on a four bedroom. So therefore people up to a four bedroom. So if you can find a way to get get into that three bedroom range at a reasonable price, I think you're going to do really well. I'll take That's an opinion, to, uh, maybe a counter opinion that some of the larger developments that have been putting up recently have been, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10 bedroom houses. So they've put an influx of those of what, maybe 200 in the last two years. And prior to that, there were what, 50 to hundred in the last decade. So having seen that larger size property influx, it's kind of like, what's that going to look like? So 
traditionally, you know, the larger you could build, the better, because there wasn't that many that were out there. And you start to hit the demographic of people that are coming here, which is the multi-generational families that need a big space, you know, the dance teams, the baseball teams, the, all the groups that come here for the various events. It's like, that is custom built perfect for those groups. Um, I, I agree with Tyan. We, we have a missing gap of properties in the like 400 to 600,000 range, where if they built like these three bedroom houses here, that'd be perfect. But I don't know any developments happening quite yet, but I still think two bedroom, yeah, one bedroom condos, you know, you are competing with hotel rooms. I, I actually say that directly. So I do agree. Now the two bedrooms, we have a lot of them. So that's something that they're the low end ones, like the very entry level, just about $200,000 to get one. They don't perform well. They don't have amenities. They're ugly curb appeal. Those don't do great, but I've seen some two bedroom ones, you know, Point Real, um, you know, over in the landing Eagle's Nest, Lantern Bay area that people do really fantastic with them. They get them set up, they get them managed accordingly. And even though it's just a two bedroom, it's a high performing cream of the crop two bedroom. And I've seen those do pretty well. And then three bedrooms as well. Those are ones that everybody's kind of on the hunt hunt for. So I think you can do really, really well with a two bedroom, um, even though there are a lot of them. It's just, that's that's kind of what's currently available too. So if you want to get something, $250,000, get your hands on something, get it going. I mean, it's as long as you pick the right one, you're going to be in good shape. Yeah. And to your point with the larger houses, that is where a lot of the money is. But the thing is, good luck finding one, unless you're getting in on a development. Otherwise, you know, the thing is, is with these developers, they have their their clients, their established clients, and they open up the lots to them first. And then once they're about half gone, they start opening it up to the realtors that they have close relationships with. And then they open it up to the public. And sometimes they even hold back lots until they're ready to release them as well. Uh, so it's, you definitely want to have an in and you, it's, it's who you know in this area to be able to get into those. And then once folks have them set up and they've got them turnkey, then they're putting them on the market. So my little tip that I believe what's going to happen this summer, towards the end of the summer, there's a development that's getting finished up. And I know there's a few people that are setting them up to sell them turnkey. So there will be some coming online. Uh, so just, you know, you want to keep an eye out for that. But the thing is, is once they're online, they go fast. So if you're going to come to the area, you want to come now, take a look and scout out, okay, this is what these properties look like. Uh, try to walk a couple or two just so you can get used to what the floor plan is, maybe the workmanship of the developer of that neighborhood. So you know where you want to be. That way, when a house comes up, you know, okay, yeah, that's where I want to be. I'm going to jump on this. And then what's really cool is are the realtors in our area, you can actually sign something saying, hey, I here's my contract and I'm going to sign that I haven't seen it yet, but I plan to come see it within X number of days. And then you attach that to your contract. So that does give you the opportunity to go in person or to send someone in person if you need want more than a FaceTime walkthrough with your realtor. Awesome. All right. So now we've gone through size. Let's talk about areas. So there's probably several areas uh, that not necessarily work better than others, but what are the different areas that are good places to buy short-term rentals? In well, because of the zoning funnel, it's really interesting. We don't have as much sensitivity as some other markets. When you start to talk about a beach market, it's like as you progressively get farther and farther away from the waterfront, 
like your, your profitability starts to decrease. Whereas here in Branson, because we have downtown area, we've got the lake, the strip, we've got Silverdor city, we've got big Cedar, Johnny Morris stuff. There's a couple of plus the lake. So they've got all these various things that maybe someone wants to be by the lake, but for every one of them, maybe there's people that want to be closer to the strip, or maybe someone wants to straddle right between that, or maybe someone wants to be closer to Silverdor city. So we don't have an exact sensitive, like you need to be here. You need to be there. It's more, I almost think of it's like a triangle where if you're between Branson West kind of riding along the Eastern edge of Table Rock Lake, all the way down to kind of the Arkansas border, which, you know, we're really close to Arkansas. And then you kind of go up to maybe Branson city area and a little bit East of that. I mean, that triangle is kind of, that's where everything's at. And if you're too, too far outside of that, that's when it starts to get a little bit riskier. There's really nothing to the North of us. Um, when you start to head towards Springfield, it's just kind of, it's just, you know, gorgeous drive, but there's nothing really out there. If you start to go East, there's even less. I mean, there's that Branson airport, but beyond that, it's like, you're starting to get in a straight up wilderness. If you go West to the lake, you know, there are, there are some interesting ones that you can get out in actually Barry County, which is the third County. We didn't really discuss. There are no regulations in Barry County. So if someone's like, I need a lake house that I can vacation rent, you could say, okay, well, if you get something in Barry County, you can actually do that. But that starts to get outside of the Branson market because we're talking 50 minute, maybe an hour drive to get out to Eagle Rock to Shell Knob. And you have no cell service. You're driving past Dollar General's and farms and that's it. Um, but that that kind of is the triangle that I think as far as a, a sweet spot you want to be, unless you're a little bit more of a risk taker and you want to be on the west side of the lake. And then obviously Arkansas border the south. So all right. So talk to me about lakefront stuff because I know that was a big thing uh before we started recording, like that a lot of people want to buy lakefront and that doesn't really exist. So can you kind of shed some light on what that means? Yeah, so lakefront is um, the, the entire shoreline, like we said earlier, the Corps of the Army Corps of Engineers are the ones that built the lake. That means they also own the shoreline. Um, and I want to say it's an average of 50 feet up. And if you build anything onto their land, you can be asked to be removed it. So you know you don't want to build your deck on their land. You don't want to build your house on their land or anything. Now, what that also means, because they own the shoreline, that doesn't mean the shoreline is actually able to be seen. So the Army Corps of Engineers, their purpose is the lake and conservation, the, the waterway, all of that. So that means they're going to keep the, the trees. They want to take care of the fish. So their goal is to take care of nature, which is really awesome to come to a lake that it's quiet. It's very natural. It's amazing. Uh, we call it the family lake in comparison to Lake of the Ozarks, which is very, very different. That's the party lake and where you see docks and houses and decks overlooking the water and everything. So this is the complete opposite of it. So if you're lakefront, that doesn't mean you actually even get to see the lake. You might be able to hear it. You can probably hear the boats with their music on the summer night because the, the you know, the sound carries across the lake. So you, you would be paying extra for lake front. But when I'm looking at a house and when a guest asks me, they say, hey, are you going to um, 
how close can I get to the lake? Can I see the lake? It's like, okay, you want like view. So that means you're going to be a little bit further back. You may be higher up. You might not necessarily be able to walk easily to the lake. We try to find places that are an easy walk. So you're talking about like a quarter mile or so. And then you also have to be aware that the shoreline isn't always a gentle walk either. It could be a cliff that you jump off of. So it's remember way back, it was a river that went through the Ozark mountains and they filled it up. So it's going to be very different topography along the shoreline of the lake. And then it even gets okay. further convoluted with even just getting a slip. People will want to associate lake with boating. And because of our Corps of Engineers, they make it really challenging to get yourself a slip that you can actually use in concert with your vacation rental to then rent out as part of your experience to your guests. Um, in fact, you have to go get it resort zone, which is, I don't know how challenging that is, but it just, it is a big thing to be aware of that you don't need to be looking for a lake house with a slip to be competitive because frankly, not many, not many people have that. So. So if you want to have lakefront and put a slip in, you can get approved to do that, but it's kind of a, a gigantic pain is what you're saying. You may, you may not live. Not seen anyone get approved that ever. Okay. The lakefront yeah. doesn't mean you're going to be able to pull your boat right up to the house. You're probably going to have to drive down to the marina and, and do it that yeah. way. Right. Okay. I mean, you, you can park your jet skis and your boat in a cove. That's, you know, that's cool, but there's no boat slip. Uh, so you'll definitely want to like rent a slip at a marina. Uh, but any private boat slip, only the registered boat is allowed in that slip unless there's a storm coming through. Then if a storm comes through on the lake, all bets are off. All rules are off. You are required. I mean, every single boat rental has a sticker saying you get yourself to the shore or an island or a boat slip now because the the winds can be crazy over that lake and cause um, it can wreak havoc. So storm comes through, you get off the water. Oh, I didn't really, I didn't realize that it was that big of a deal. Is that specific to that area or is it always like that on all lakes? Uh the duck boat thing, which kind of was not that put Branson on the national news when uh, a bunch of people died, when they drowned in a duck boat sinking incident. So. Yeah, it wasn't as much of a big safety thing. It's more, it was more like a common sense, but after the tragic accident with the duck boat, it is now um, they make sure to tell everybody. And, and there's even a Facebook group, the Table Rock Lake group, where if there's a storm scene coming or coming up, people start posting in the group saying, if you're on the lake, get off now. Uh, it's people take care of each other and we want people to continue and enjoy the lake. I'm going to have to look up the duck boat incident. So a storm came through and made it sink and people died. Is that what happened? Basically? Yeah. 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 And there were like probably safety violations by the company, but I'll let you read the story. It's it's pretty interesting how it all went down. Yeah, I'll look it up. We go every now and then we'll take out of the Destin Harbor. There's like a kid's pirate ship cruise and a kid's dolphin cruise. And every time, you know, we're going way out in the ocean sometimes or the, the Gulf, excuse me, or the Bay. And I make my kids wear life jackets on that. And everybody looks at me like I'm some dork mom who's putting like pocket protectors on her kids. And I'm like, guys, if something happens, they need to have life jackets on. But maybe I'm the helicopter mom. I don't know. But no, you're not. But you're not. It's actual. It's it's Coast Guard rules up to age. I want to say 12. If you're on the water, you have to have a life jacket on. Yeah. Well, 
I like to think I'm right, but uh, right. All, like literally all the other, there were no other kids in life jackets. And I'm like, sorry, you're dorks kids. Like you guys are going to be safe. <laughs> yeah. So now we've talked about the lake for as long as we have, it's just, it's just not a big thing in Branson to be looking for. So yeah. people shouldn't try to be finding that because it's, mm-hmm. it's again, it's, it's just a lost cause to try to go down that route. Mm-hmm. Just focus on what, what does work, what's available. That is what the competition is. So that's who you got to have your eye on. Okay. Awesome. So is there anything else about why you would buy in Branson? Why this is a great market that we haven't hit on that you think we should? I wanted to say the history of, of, you know, our occupancy that comes here. I mean, what do we see? 10 million tourists per year, Tyann? Something like that. It's crazy. And then listening to uh, the Missouri tourism uh, folks and the governor and how Missouri is targeting um, Texas and other areas and what the massive things they're doing to bring folks to Missouri itself. And then talking to the Branson Chamber of Commerce and the Table Rock Lake Chamber of Commerce and what they're doing to bring people to the area. I mean, as you know, I'm all in, you know, this is where my properties are. This is where I run my property management company, uh, Branson Family Retreats. And this is where the money works really well for us. Yeah. And the more development that's coming, I mean, we didn't even touch upon the Johnny Morris and everything he's doing. He's the, the founder of Bass Pro Shops. I mean, he's got big plans for our area. And I think there's a partnership with the Walton family from Walmart. So there's a lot of big money that's going to be coming into our area. So as Branson has kind of stuck around since the mid 1900s, I mean, it's evolved. So things like the hotels that were on the strip have kind of gone by the wayside. People aren't staying at those anymore. Vacation rentals have, have been on the upswing and there's just been a lot of development that's coming in. So if you can, you can get in before all this, this major developments happen. It's, it's kind of a perfect time. So. Well, if nobody has any more points to make that we haven't touched on already, then we will close this one out. Guys, if you want to buy a short-term rental in Branson with Bill, you can hit us up at agents at the short-term shop.com and we'll get you connected. Or if you just have further questions, you can do one of two things or both things. Uh, You can join our Facebook group. It's called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth, same name as my book. Or you can join us every Thursday for a live Zoom call Q&A and you could sign up for that at strquestions.com. Thanks guys.